When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to season three of What I Did Next from ANT Media. I'm Malak Fuad, your host. The seasoned listeners among you will know that the show focuses on people's personal and professional crossroads and looks at those trajectories from key pivot points. My guests are multilingual, multicultural, and they're either from the Middle East or are connected to the region in some way. My guests are industry leaders. They are curious and passionate about the world around them, and they aim to leave their mark in some way. Today, I'm super excited to welcome the stunning and oh-so-talented Hind Sabri. Not needing an introduction at all, Hind is the queen of our cinematic hearts. Tunisian by birth, Hind has made Egypt her adoptive home and is one of the leading lights of both the silver and small screens. With groundbreaking roles such as Asma, where she portrays an HIV-positive woman in rural Egypt, Hind has proven herself to be a serious actress worthy of the numerous awards she has received over the years. Hind is equally at ease in comedy, portraying perhaps her most beloved character, Hala, in Aizat Gawiz. She just brought Hala back in Finding Hala on Netflix to rave reviews. Hind is not afraid to face head-on those difficult and taboo subjects that are whispered about but never spoken of out loud. Coming across as open and accessible, Hind has given voice to topics that would otherwise remain hidden. Underneath the actress persona, Hind is a woman of fierce intellect who cares deeply for the world around her and the world she will be passing on to her daughters. A lawyer by training, she understands the importance of education for a happy and successful career. Being in control comes from knowing your rights and not being afraid to stand for what you believe in. The overriding sense with Hind is what you see is what you get. There is no artifice or pretense here, except on the screen, of course. She is a woman who is engaged, dedicated and true to herself. Before we get started today, you might notice that things are sounding a bit different. We had a small glitch with our audio for this episode, so we had to work with our backup audio. Sorry about that. Things will be back to normal on our next episode. We start our conversation today with our icebreaker questions. The first question is based on the Malcolm Gladwell book, The Tipping Point. You can find more details about the question on our Instagram page and our Twitter account. I asked Hind what personality type from the book she most associates with, a connector, a salesperson, or a maven? I think I'd say I'm a, I'm a 70% saleswoman and a 30% uh, 
the first one, connector. Connector, yeah. yeah. That's, that's uh, I think that's the dosage. I think also what I've noticed is most people are not just one thing. Exactly. You're exactly. always a mix. We're a mix of things. So sometimes I can be a great negotiator, sometimes I can't negotiate. I know that when I'm passionate about something, then I, I can easily convince my friends or, you know, if I want to go to the movies and I, I, my mind is set on the movie, then I'll sell it to them. And if, if I'm really passionate about the cause, then I, I'm, uh, I'm adamant about selling it, selling it, selling it on my social media. On my, so this, yeah, but sometimes I can also, I find great, great pleasure in connecting people with great ideas. Uh, I'm a matchmaker when it comes to, uh, to people. It's always a great pleasure for me when I introduce two people who did not know each other, thinking that this union or this encounter will bring something, I think, better. Mm. Do you think the saleswoman element is why you're a good actress? Because you're able to convince people that you are that person on screen? Probably. I never thought about it this way, but I think, I think it might be, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also a lawyer. and. They're also salesmen. That's right. <laughs> I think I think it's uh, it's in my blood. This uh, I I don't like being uh, alone with my thoughts or ideas as much as sharing them. And uh, I can be very um, rigid about my vision of things. Uh, that's not the case when I'm an actress because sometimes I embody women who are really different, and it needs a lot of. Um, Open, mind, mind openness and tolerance to be able to empathize with, with a character uh, that is really far from you or that was not brought up the way you were. Or I just want to stop you there for a minute. How do you do that? How do you put yourself in the shoes of someone that you have no connection with whatsoever from a completely different walk of life, uh, a part of the world, experiences? How do you, how do you find that, um, that resource to, to empathize with them. Well, I think empathy is the resource. It's not, I mean, it's not the mean, it's not the end, it's, it is the mean. Empathy is the tool that I use and that many other people, not only actors, use to be able to feel what people feel or need or, you know, I'm sure Steve Jobs was a great empath, for example, because he was, uh, maybe, maybe even if he did not know it, because he was able to guess what people would need um, before they needed it. Before they needed yeah. it. And uh, when you when you start really, I mean, when you from the outside, we're different. We're so different. We come from so many walks of life. Where, but when you kind of scratch the surface, we're so similar. We're so similar. Mm -hmm. yeah. We feel the same. Fear is the same in, in Las Vegas or here. Love is the same in That's right. Hong Kong or here, sure. uh, and we are energy and we are emotions. Uh, and so the background or your social or cultural background is just an accessory. I mean, it's a big accessory. It's like, it's like the clothes that you're wearing, but the flesh is the same. Mm -hmm. The fundamentals are the, the same. The fundamentals are the same. Interesting. And tell me more about the connector element. So you, you're in the have, you, you, you like to make connections between people. I do. Yeah. And do you do that uh, on a, more on a, like, if you find two friends you think that will, you know, fall in love, is that the kind of connection that you want to make? That happens, actually. I, I've done that too in yeah, the past. Are yeah. you good at it? I, I think I am pretty good at yeah. it. Yeah. Half of them got divorced. But <laughs> <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> That's not my problem. You weren't in the room. <laughs> Sometimes even uh, <clears throat> professional ideas come, come, come out of some encounters. 
uh, new projects, exciting mm, projects. Mm. So I like every kind mm. of matchmaking. It's very satisfying, right? It is. It confirms kind of what you, your instincts. Yes. It confirms your instincts, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. It's, and and it's, a, it's a real pleasure to actually see someone and say, Hey, have you met this person? Because I really think that yeah. it's it's uh, it, it gives me great satisfaction. Yeah, me too. Our second icebreaker is based on social media. Does Hind use Instagram or Twitter more? My guests have surprised me with their answer to this question. It triggers some angst and uncertainty. Like picking between, uh, I mean, the sea and the mountains. I mean, they both serve. <laughs> what the... do they each give you? Instagram gives me uh, carelessness. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't want to say trivial, but yeah. Lighthearted. It is, it yeah. is lighthearted. Twitter is uh, an emergency room. <laughs> it's it like, is. Yeah, it that's is. how I feel. Yes. I start getting palpitations. Yeah. Do you, you feel more political on Twitter? Of course. Yeah. And I used to be very political on Twitter. I used to have political feuds. Yeah. You know, I, I'm one of the first artists uh, in the Middle East who joined Twitter. And when I joined, I joined like, I mean, I went all out, which I would never do now. I was giving any every stupid opinion of mine. And that was everybody. around the time of the Arab Spring? It was when every, even before? It was even before. I think I joined in 2008 or 2009. And uh, I used to tweet like, I don't know, like five tweets a day or six tweets a day, which now when I look at my history, you know, my tweet, the history, I'm like, how could I be so naive? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but it was more innocent than two at the time. It was, but... It wasn't as aggressive as it is now. Let me tell you that my first encounter with real social media bullying and aggression was on Twitter in 2009. Oh, really? That's far back. I had a very famous feud with a guy yeah. that I will not mention, but he's like a, a revolution figure. Mm -hmm. My my real, I mean, my shame, I, I feel ashamed of it now. I answered the guy and we had a feud and... And it was really, I mean, low. I mm. could never do mm. that again, never answer someone again. But it taught me so many things, so, so many mm. things. Mm. Um, so Twitter is really the outlet or the, the social media outlet that holds the most anger. And when you're on Twitter and you, if you're fighting, you better be... And you better be willing to take it all the way to the end. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you were to pick only five people to follow, who would they be and on which platform? There's some people I like on Twitter and some people I like on Instagram. Okay, Instagram it would be Will Smith. I love Will Smith and I love what he's doing on his social media platforms. It would be um, Ariana Huffington. Mm. <laughs> uh, Why do you like surprisingly? her? Because the sleep, she, she's into sleep management yes, now. now. But that's what I like about her. The woman woke up one day and her life, her health, everything was destroyed mm. because she was such a workaholic and she was such a successful person with the, I mean, with the criteria now mm -hmm. of success, which is I'm exhausted, I'm overworked, I'm, I'm, and she collapsed and she woke up now and always she's defending his sleep. Yeah. And I love the fact that this woman changed a lot yeah. uh, and it took <clears throat> from her health and from her mental mm -hmm. sanity and from her she's had a lot of re reincarnations over the years as well yes no she's a woman that very I really interesting respect. yeah, yeah. Uh, on instagram as well national geographic their pictures are amazing i love mm. seeing beautiful pictures. you're a very visual person then yeah yeah, yeah. i like 
I follow a lot of photographers, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh. I like beautiful pictures. Do you do you take your own photos? Are you into it? I am, but I mean, I was. Yeah. Less now. I don't carry the camera. I used yeah. to carry a camera, you know, a big one. And I used to take, actually, not uh, not bad, I mean, decent pictures. Oh. My friends would always say that I capture nice moments at weddings, at, when I travel. Who else? On Twitter, I would follow Mohamed Hinezi. He's really funny on Twitter. Really, really funny. And he cracks me up. Ricky Gervais, because he's really funny. He is funny. And sarcastic, sarcastic as well. Yeah. yeah. And I like sarcastic in general. Jane Fonda. An um, icon. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like her energy. She has unbelievable energy. Who makes me smile when I see their pictures? Miss Tika Bas. I like Alicia Keys. I'm not. I'm not into. You're not fixed. You're not into one area or no, one profession or no, one thing. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No. I, I'm. I'm um, eclectic. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I know that you began acting at a very young age, um, so I'm curious about that. But I'm also curious as to how you you began as an actress, but then as you matured and you became older, you also wanted to pursue your your education. You wanted to finish your education. Well, I never really saw acting as my future. So my future was really defined. I wanted to do political science and I wanted to work uh, in the diplomatic field in general. I was, I was into diplomacy and uh, international affairs and relations. Um, and so the first movie I made, I was 14, so I was still at school and I was really good at school and always very serious, very committed. It never occurred to me that I would drop school for acting. Acting was the nice hobby and my, my education was something else. So I finished law school in Tunisia, got a year off. So I, went, I came to Egypt and did my first movie here and then went back to Tunisia, did my master's. It was exhausting actually, it was really tiring because I had to, I remember at some point I used to go take the plane, fly to Tunis uh, every two weeks. But, but I find it interesting that even though you had done your first movie, you still went back to finish the masters or to begin yes. the masters. Yes. What made you do that? Because a lot of people would have said, I'm beginning a career in the movies. I'm not gonna finish, I'm not gonna do my masters. What made you stop at that point, pause, and say, actually, I'm going to finish that as well. My, my parents, they didn't make me do it, actually. I really did it. But they had this, always this I mean, objection about, you know, if you want to do your acting career, we're supporting you, but get a, a proper qualification. qualification. Yeah. You, you don't know what can happen. <clears throat> this is a very ungrateful job, which it is. It's very short-lived. It's not so... They, 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 I had this in mind that I had to continue uh, after because, I mean, uh, in Tunisia, you know, we're very academic mm -hmm. and, and women. Women are at the are forefront of everything exactly, in Tunisia. Exactly. Yeah. And so a master's was not, I mean, if, if had I worked in, in the, in the uh, in international affairs, I would have been a PhD for sure. I wouldn't have stopped at master's. So I actually stopped at master's because I didn't want to work there and I wanted to continue my, I mean, start my acting career as a job this time. Um, that's an advice that I always give to young, young girls who come and tell me we want to, no, I don't, I don't care about education. I don't care about, I just want to be an actress. And I say no, because first of all, better be a smart actress than a dumb actress. <laughs> of course, you're more empowered. 
you're more empowered and when and unfortunately in this part of the world it's not a job that is really respected so when you come with a degree and <clears throat> and a proper solid education they do respect you more and I, I, I wish these girls could come more empowered and sit at the table and say no you know what I know my rights I know what what I can do what I cannot do and it's not it's a very ungrateful job mm. so for you your 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 academic qualifications the fact that you you have a law degree it empowered you it gave you uh, um, a, a strong foundation Big time. to to negotiate to, to negotiate contracts to be able to read them to be able to uh, to 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 see when something is not right yeah. To be able to defend myself, to be able to talk to the press, and have the confidence—not just not just the practicality of it, but just I, I am I am this person. Of course, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. And even you know, talking to the media, talking um, this this intelligence that you need to have, the social intelligence, the the PR intelligence, the uh, the, the networking. Mm -hmm. uh, it's foundational. This is yeah. all foundational. Yeah. This yeah. is all something that you learn in college, and you know. Mm -hmm. So I was really, really happy that I finished. I wish I could, uh, I could have finished my PhD as well, but maybe in another. Moment. So, do you think that your choice of roles, uh, certain roles, has been a way for you to advocate in a certain way? Uh, if you had, since you're not a lawyer now, is it your way of advocating certain paths or certain uh, causes? It's funny that you say that because, you know, the, there's this types of people, you know, the, that test, that very famous test, uh, I don't know what, mm -hmm. it's, what it's called, seven or nine types of people Yeah. Um, based on their personality traits. And so I'm an, an introvert advocate. Okay. <laughs> so apparently, yeah, so, you know, there's two, two there's... Uh, it's a it sounds like a contradiction, but it's not exactly. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, and it's not. Yeah. Is, so usually advocates are extroverts. Exactly. Um, and they choose jobs for extroverts, which is like act, the acting actors are extrovert advocates. Uh, I'm not. I'm an introvert advocate. So yes, I do choose to um, those characters. And give me an example. What are you thinking of when you're saying that? Are you thinking of Asma? Asma, for example, yes. That's a story that broke my heart because... Is um, it based on It's based on a true story? Yes. Yes. I never met the woman because she had already passed away. Can you explain to us just yeah. quickly the role, what it so entails? Asma uh, is a, an HIV positive woman uh, from rural Egypt, uh, from the countryside. Her, her husband went to jail for a crime that he did not really commit and he got out of jail carrying HIV and, uh, and she knew and put herself at risk because she wanted to have children uh, with him um, and he, he passed right after that and she, uh, she had her children and um, she had a problem with her intestines or I can't remember which organ mm -hmm. right? And no doctor wanted to operate her because uh, because she had HIV, uh, and she passed away because of that complication, not mm -hmm, because of HIV. Mm -hmm. And her kids, her children, unfortunately, when they found out that she was with HIV, uh, did not speak to her, did not see her until she passed away. Although she did that for them for them to, to be them. born, yeah. So the story was heartbreaking. It's tragic. The fact that you cannot ask for your basic rights. For healthcare, for for 
um, you know, I heard horrific stories about, you know, someone going to the dentist and the dentist throws them, throws them away with, with the, 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 the sheet, you know, the sheet over the, over the, the, over the, the chair, chair yeah, yeah. and uh, the, the, how they're humiliated and how, and so this loss of, uh, of being a citizen, like you become a second class citizen. Mm -hmm. Loss of dignity. And this lo a daily loss of dignity and even loss of family. And, yeah. You know, so it's a very lonely path in this region more than anywhere mm -hmm. else. It is lonely everywhere, but. And, and you shone a light on the issue here. Uh, and I tried, I yeah. tried, because I believe, first of all, that this is what cinema is about. At the same time, if you don't take risks as an actress, if you don't say, you know what, I'm tired of just doing the nice girl or the villain or those stereotypes, uh, and God knows that we suffer from that uh, in the writing, in writing, in script writing here, it's, it's always not a real character. So when I find a real character that has a story to tell, then I'm all for it and mm. I'm all... I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm a very brave woman when it comes to this part of me, like choosing my characters. Yes. But I'm not in real life. Yes, like you, you probably don't have to be because you're taking the risk in your work. Maybe. So Maybe. you don't need to be risky in everything. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. And how did the audience react to that film? Well, the film was really... Uh, it was not fair because the film was released in March 2011 right after the revolution. So the timing was really, really not good. I think people were still scared to go to the movies. There was a curfew. Uh, the timing uh, at the time of the theatrical release was really bad. But then when the movie went on TV and on Netflix, and you know, it's amazing how many people saw it and how many people talk about it. I opened Twitter and, you know, 10 years later, it's been 10 years. Yeah. People are like, I watched this movie as man, you really have to watch it. And it was really well written as well and well directed by Amr Salema. Um, it, it's a different movie. It's, it's definitely not your standard mm, Egyptian mm, movie. Mm, mm. Uh, and I'm proud of anything different. Yeah. I'm proud yeah. when, when I do something different. Yeah. And, and do you feel that there are other issues uh, that you want to tackle? So many. What would you? What would be your wish list? Let's say I don't know two or three issues that, if you had your dream, you know your dream option, what would you pick? And on a on a on a on a secondary question, mm. would you consider writing it yourself? <laughs> it's funny that you're saying that because you know I'm now uh, working on a, my Netflix series that's gonna it's gonna be released by the end of this year. It's a six episode series, and it's a comedy, drama. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was really involved in the writing with the writers and I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it and loved it. Because it brings in your academic side a little bit. Not on, only the academic side. It brings in your... Uh, the fact that you make a character say something that is logical because it comes from this character has a, uh, it has a magical effect on me. It's like you're creating the world, you're creating... It's, it's, you're creating a person. Yes. Yeah. And world mm, and dynamics mm, mm. and and so I really got addicted to this and mm. I think I'm gonna continue. Yeah. But you know when, when you, you were saying uh, what what cause which cause mm. I don't believe that causes are uh, mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Like I don't believe that I believe that the source of of our problems is 
one common solid thing that we have to tackle, but we have to tackle it with so many arrows from so many places, you know, so that it collapses. So what are you talking come, about? Are you talking about corruption? I'm ta- now about women issues. I'm talking about a, a deeply engraved uh, belief, yeah. wrong belief, that us women uh, are not capable or not, not capable. Yeah, yeah. This is the big, the big issue, and then there are smaller or uh, any uh, smaller or sub issues. But what I like to tackle is this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to challenge it yeah. intellectually. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that it only comes when, when people laugh. That's yeah. why I have a lot of respect for comedians. A lot of respect. And this goes a, back to your saleswoman. It's how maybe, you persuade. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. point. Good point. <laughs> uh, and so when people laugh, there's a channel that opens. Mm-hmm, definitely. And this channel... You've won them over. Yes. Yeah. You, can, you can tell them whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it in Isaac Goes. Isaac Goes was 10 years ago as well, 12, 11 years ago. And Isaac Goes was at the time a taboo. Mm. Like, how can a girl, uh, and even the actress, because there's also this, uh, you know, um, they always confuse actress and role or character. Yes. So to them, it was me yes. and saying, Isaac, I, yeah. I want to get married. But for a woman to come out and say, I want to get married. And, and then let's explain. Uh, and people, people started watching this because they thought that they would see marriage as the, 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 the happy end of this mm, girl's mm, life. Mm. And it was not. So we... we, we with laughter uh, and with irony and sarcasm, we kind of convinced so many girls, uh, I hope, and so many mothers of these girls that, you know what, this is stupid, look mm, at us, mm. we're pathetic, this yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. And this is her ambition. Yes, yeah. and laughing at it with, with, with their mothers, with their fathers, mm. with... I remember uh, it was, you know, it was Ramadan, so it was shown everywhere in the Middle East, and I remember receiving so many emails, phone calls from Jeddah, from Riyadh, from, you know, and Saudi back then was not Saudi today. Yes. It was much, much more conservative. And, and the series was the number one watched in Saudi Arabia and the Gulf <coughs> countries. When I go to the Gulf countries, it's always all out. They so talk about out. this. It's always I yeah. go. And so this is, I think, this is... The, despite the fact that it's not a serious project, like Asmet, for yes. example, but because it was watched so many times and became a classic on TV, because it's a comedy, yeah. so it had a, a bigger impact. And it had a bigger reach. And a bigger reach. And a message that was communicated, but in a more lighthearted way, but it still got yes. the message across. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and I believe in that. I believe in those kind of projects. Mm-hmm. When we come back, we continue to hear Hind's story. That's right after this short break. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. 
For example, you can find out more about the screenwriting process with acclaimed filmmaker Mo Hevzi, or about the luxury design industry with Monez and Ayad Raouf, the sisters behind Ochtin. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Malak Fuad, and you're listening to What I Did Next with the gorgeous Hint Sabri. What was your favorite role so far? You must have a favorite or one that you had a good experience working on or it was, it just came together organically, the crew was nice, the actors were nice, the director was nice. Oh, there's many. There's not one. Not one. No, not one. I'm lucky. I'm really lucky that mm. there's many. Okay, okay. so the, the, the character that was, to me, the most fascinating one mm. was uh, Lulia in Alfil Azra. Blue Elephant. Because she's a demon and because, you know, the, tra- the physical transformation well, took four hours a day. So that was fascinating for me to go on set and watch myself turn into totally someone else. Totally. To the point that if I look, if I catch myself on you a don't know it's you. I don't recognize yeah. myself. Yeah. <clears throat> that never really happened to me before. The part that I, that is really close to my heart is all out of support. And that's no coincidence that I am now, we, we took this character and this is the Netflix character that I'm working on. So... You're taking it to the next point. We're taking it to 10 yeah. years later, yeah. basically. I really like Ola because she made me close to so many girls, so many women, yeah. so many families. Yeah. She made people relate to her so much. And at the same time, she's fun. Like she's, she's complicated and... Uh, and full of wrong beliefs mm-hmm. and, uh, you know... Like a lot of people. <laughs> like a lot of people, yeah. exactly. And she's challenged by yeah. this life and, yeah. you know, she's clumsy and lost. And, uh, I like I like her. Even my friend was telling me, uh, a friend I'm working with, was telling me, you know, when you when you turn into Ola, it's as <laughs> if... It's as if it's you, but it's, you know, it's a, some part of you that never really... Yeah. It, you gave her a name and it's Ola, and probably... Do you think that most of the roles you take, there has to be something of you in that character for you to connect with them? Or do you not have to feel that at all? Uh, I used to have to feel that. Uh, the more experience you get, you, you, you realize that this is limiting. Yeah. It's very limiting. So, uh, because there's only so many common points you can, you know, start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what would make your performances uh, redundant and sometimes boring. So I try now to explore other ways of embodiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, 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 my biggest source is still empathy, mm-hmm. still how to find, you know, I think about the character for nights and nights and nights and... Sometimes it's it's one sentence in the, in the script when it's when written, uh, which is rare. Mm. But it's one sentence that kind of gives you the key to who this woman could could be. Uh, what's her inner world? If she's alone, when she's alone, how does she sit? Does she is she does she have uh, a sloppy posture? Is she is she the whole basic yeah, how thing? Does she, yeah. well, how does she sleep? How does she? How does she laugh? Mm. How does she? And even if you don't have to see this on screen, but it gives you, uh, you created your own backstory. Exactly. Yeah. 
What do you think is still taboo to put on screen in the Middle East or in Egypt? Look, I'm going to be very honest with you. Uh, I believe we have a big crisis when it comes to writing in the Middle East, and especially here, because here it's, it's a commercial. I mean, it's, mm. a, it's a, you know, it's an industry. Yeah. And so you're supposed to have so many writers with so many stories to tell. Uh, with so much imagination, it's a very young population demographically. So you're you're expecting a more thriving world of writing. Mm -hmm. it, it is not the case at all. And why is that? You are uh, a society, not only here, but you know, uh, in the Arab world in general, we are a society that says what she doesn't do and does what she doesn't say. We're very double in. Ethnologically and sociologically, I would love to know more about this, but we have the, the community is more important than, than what I feel or how I feel or how I act or how I say things or community first. Uh, and that created people because psychologically it changes, uh, it changes the society when it, it, is, it is a collective kind of super ego you know you have the ego and the me and the it mm -hmm. and uh, in our societies we have even more we have the super ego which is the community it takes over yeah and so what, what would the family say and then on a, on a bigger level level what would the neighbors say what would the web say what would uh, my, my my job my, my boss say what would it's all about saving face it's all about saving face and we became uh, double, really. Mm. I don't. I don't like to say hypocritical, but but we have this kind of. Uh, we have even a name for it for Arabi tajammul. You emphasize on what's good, and you don't want to talk about what's bad, uh, because let's you know put it under the rug. Uh, and so it made us people who cannot write about their feelings. Mm. If you can't express yeah. who you truly are or your true, I mean, I'm now taking it to a bigger level. If you are from the LGBTQ community in, in, in the Middle East, you, can you express who you are? No, of course not. So you're going to repress it and lie about it to everybody. And Hen, do you think this is partly because most of the writers are male? What is the ratio? Oh, no, let me tell you that are there a lot bigger problem. No, the ratio, I mean, it's so very mainly male, right? It's actually less and less. Mm. I'd, say, I'd say now it's 60-40. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, better but, than I thought. Yeah, yeah. But to be able to write about work, you have to experience it. You have to live it. Or even even if you don't live it, but at least be open to it and not judge it. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> and have the curiosity without the, this judgment, without this preconception. And so and and if you if you, if you want to write about an emotion, you have to live it first. Of course. You have to know it. You have to acknowledge mm -hmm. that you you've went through it. Writers repress themselves uh, because they don't want to, first of all, there's so many emotions they did not live, because there's so many stages in life that they did not live, they're not exposed, <clears throat> they did not see, uh, encounter women who want to, who want to write, in, in, and I see many of them. <clears throat> what kind of life experience do you have? Did you, I mean, at the end of the day, either they're single and you know, they're, they're waiting to get married as well because this is their only way to yeah. escape the, the community yeah. uh, judgment. Or, but they haven't met so many guys, they haven't met so many different They've had a limited, limited life. When your only comfort zone is your school friends and your family yeah. and you cannot leave the house yeah. without them. How, what, how are you, <clears throat> what are you going to write yeah. about? Yeah. And the fear of, 
of expressing things the way it should be, you know, bluntly. There's a flip side to that, though. Do you think some people aren't writing about these issues because they know they won't get made? That they're, they know that they're, they can only operate in a certain uh, parameter and that if they transgress and go into a realm that is a bit too avant-garde or a taboo, that it will not get made. The film won't get made or the series won't get made. That's one element. Do you think, additionally, that groups like Netflix are beginning to break that mold? Because obviously the funding is coming from another location. You know, there, there's always been very exciting projects that got made, mm. but that we did not see mm. because of the outlets here. Yeah. You know, you have to go to Cannes or Berlin or Venice to watch an Egyptian movie that is different. Mm -hmm. But every year or so, yeah, every couple of years, there's also always a breakthrough film from the region uh, that is internationally acclaimed and uh, awarded. Mm. and. But they're a minority, of course, and here they, I mean, there's no theatrical release because they're not, they don't make money because they're too real. Yeah. Anything that is too real exactly. is scary. But having said that, the, the model is changing. Cinemas are no longer the only venue now. That is, and the, and that is the good thing. That's the good thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when streamers have good taste. Now, the good thing for sure about streamers mm. is that they need so many, so much content. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to need yeah. anything and everything. So it will become more diverse. Much more diverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't need the star system as much as uh, theater, theaters yes. uh, do. So now you can build the project on uh, unknown people. It's mm -hmm. much cheaper, much more, uh, you know, it's much more flexible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm experiencing this with mm -hmm. Netflix. Uh, you know, they still want very local stories because at the end of the day, that's what's interesting. Of course. Uh, about uh, any, any region is that the, the, the storytelling should be still local and relevant to our, mm. our audience. But they're more universal in their way of thinking and in their way of... Uh, you know, even advising you about the, the, the script, about the development, uh, they always tend to tell you, don't forget that you're talking to a global audience as well, so be as universal as mm. possible. Uh, so there is, yes, I think the, the, the whole industry is changing mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. to, the, to the better, I think, because of competition. Uh, competition is always good for, for, for the user. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about your uh, other, uh, your, the other hat you wear, which is uh, working with um, the UN World Food Program and your involvement in uh, those sorts of causes that are that are close to your heart. So maybe we can start with the World Food Program. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did you get involved with them in the first place? Uh, that was 20 years ago, I think. Uh, I was approached by the WFP, the World Food Program, for um, a campaign, TV campaign, <coughs> sorry, for a TV campaign that they wanted to do for Syria at the time. Uh, no, not for Syria, for, for, the, for, the, for Gaza. Mm. Uh, Gaza was under attack. It was 2012? No, 8, 2008. Ah. Oh my God. That's a while ago. That's 13 <laughs> years ago. Yes, 2008. And so. The campaign was never made because they didn't have funds for it. Mm. But I remember the director, the country director at the time, uh, was really sweet. So we we spoke over coffee, and uh, I told him, you know what, I have a lot of time because I didn't, I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, and I'm bored. You know, I was really bored. Mm. 
Uh, and I was working on a couple of movies at the time, but I still have. You still had time. And I told them, use me, or even if you, I don't want, I don't want to be the ambassador. I don't want the name. I don't want the title. But I'd like to go on the field and just see what you're doing. That's also my lawyer kind of background, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And, and I've always been really. Uh, I've always been an empath. I've always been easily able to feel what people feel and i love this in me it, it must be the scorpio also mm, because scorpios mm. are feelers yeah. but i uh even very very little I, I remember when i used to see a homeless person or it, it would literally break my heart it's not like literally like i would feel why and mm. i have a problem with how unfair the world societies is. are yeah uh, yeah and uh, so I've, I've always had these issues in mind and I wanted to know more and so I started traveling with them uh, around the region. I went to Syria at the time. <clears throat> Syria was still uh, having Iraqi refugees at the time mm -hmm. and we went to the to, to uh, uh, the PLO, the Palestinian uh, territories and I went to uh, a couple of places with mm -hmm. them before they appointed me as an ambassador. Yeah. And now your role is. Uh... And now I'm I'm a I'm a regional ambassador. My role is to bring awareness. Bring awareness, yeah, yeah. and use your profile. And use sure. You, I mean, they use you, and you're used anyway. So better be mm. used for a good mm. cause. Sure, sure, sure. You're sure. used anyway yeah. for you know when you do an advertising and you're paid, you're used for a product. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. The cat is playing uh, with the cables. Um, fair enough. So why not? And that's what I told them. Use me. Yeah. Yeah. Use me. Yeah. This is something I'd love to be mm. used for. So when I go and some cameras follow, uh, um, and some it's it's do, it's a benefit, Jenny. You're, you're bringing, benefit. you're shining a light on something important. And yeah. I have a lot of respect for for Angelina Jolie, for Kate Blanchett, for, for Audrey Hepburn before mm -hmm. that, because mm -hmm. they, you cannot not be sincere, you know, at this level, I mean, it's really, you can, you can do a, like a, com a communication operation and go to Mohammed Zateri camp and take pictures and then and never show up again. But it, it, it's, it's obvious when it's not sincere. But when it's years and yeah. years and years of commitment and commitment on this level of stardom, uh, Angelina Jolie or, or Kate Blanchett or these people, when they uh, go to Myanmar or I don't know where, or I don't know where, and it uh, makes a big difference. So many yeah. people are counting yeah. on this picture, yeah. and, and they know it, and they do it uh, with with love and pleasure, and they can change the world. Yeah. This is how we can change things. And it it shines a light on issues that people just don't know about. No, because uh, the average person doesn't read a newspaper. They just don't know. No, yeah, no. Yeah. And when you're uh, trapped in a conflict, or when you're when you're a refugee, or you become invisible. Mm, absolutely. And that's the worst part. Yeah, of it. yeah. How do you see the uh, the or the Arab new uh, Me Too movement? Is there an Arab Me Too movement that you feel is 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 really there or is it just like shots in the dark with certain issues that have come and gone? Well, it's not systematic yet. Mm -hmm. It's not as systematic as the mutual movement in the States. I think there is a movement of at least making our bodies more respected. Let's, I mean, first things first. Let's first agree uh, about where does my physical space and my my space ends, and uh, who uh, who does this body belong to, and who possesses it, and then we can talk about the meeting. Mm, mm, so we have mm, priorities, mm. and 
I think what's happening against harassment, for example, is unprecedented. I'm very happy about uh, it's not a, sh a shame anymore. It's not. It doesn't shame the girl anymore. Mm -hmm. It used to. Mm -hmm. uh, a few years back. Yeah. Now, I mean, it is a crime, and it is uh, not only incriminated by law but also by society. You can tell that the winds are turning when yeah. it comes to this. I believe in pragmatism. I, I believe in step by step. Uh, and, and that's why I was really, it was funny because uh, I read about um, a woman who came out and said that uh, she was um, raped by her husband. And there was actually a movement saying uh, we want to criminalize uh, mm. uh, domestic rape. And mm. see, it's like getting the, the, the <laughs> I don't know, the, 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 the horse before the cart, the, horse, or the cart before yes. the horse. I mean, yeah, you cannot, yeah. I mean, I'd love to mm -hmm. have a discussion, a social, healthy yeah. discussion about domestic yeah. rape, but not in a society yeah. where the man believes that this body is his. Absolutely. So and the domestic have, violence issue in the Middle East is massive, massive. It's, it's massive everywhere. But it's particularly massive here because it's, it's so taboo. It is, but much, much less than before. Yeah. We, I mean, there... Algerian women, I, I, I shared it, made a beautiful video about domestic abuse. And, you know, artists are changing this. Yeah. Um, the fact that, you know, a couple of years back, nobody was shocked when a scene in an Egyptian movie, uh, when someone would beat his wife. Today, you can do this. Yeah. But I think a lot of it has to do with social media. Yeah. You know, the I fact that you can share everything has to do with it. You share everything. And, uh, nothing you know, is hidden nothing is hidden. You, 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 you can't hide anything anymore. No, no. And I think that's a very uh, healthy... Yes, that's the monitoring. Out, yes. ...output from yes. the social yeah. media world. One of the world. healthiest. Yeah, yes. yeah. There aren't a lot of the no. healthy things, but that's a very good that one when it's, yes. when it's done in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Social monitoring. Definitely. So you, um, you broke taboos in your life. Um, uh, just being a woman from Tunisia, breaking through into Egyptian cinema, uh, coming as a lawyer, you know, you, you, you were quite groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Um, how do you see the future for your girls, your children? Do you think that it will be as hard for them? Will, will, will things be solved? Will issues, will, will things be as hard for them as they are for us? How do you see the next you know, the next generation? Will they be freer? Uh, well, that's a tough question. Uh, I, I, they will be not necessarily freer, uh, but they will be, it will be much more challenging for them from a totally other perspective that we did not deal with, which is this planet. Mm, mm, yeah. We left them a planet that is dying. And everything, everything will be less accessible. Everything will be more uh, challenging. More of a fight. More of a fight, mm. exactly. Mm. And for this, I, I, I pity them, honestly, and I'm really scared. I'm really, really, really afraid. Mm. Um, now, I really always hope that nature will correct itself and and something miraculous will happen. But I really believe that their issues, their problems, that's a problem. In this region, we didn't have this, uh, how do you call it, um, succession of 
revolutions. Mm. You know, uh, Europe had its industrial revolution, then its sexual revolution, and the, the there's been a progress, there's been a progress, a, a linear exactly. progress. Exactly. Yeah. Here we don't have yeah. this because yeah. we we get bits and pieces mm -hmm. of what we like, what fits our culture, and the rest no. So there's nothing linear. Yeah. Nothing, nothing clear. And so you have girls that are free from the outside, that are wearing exactly what a girl would be wearing in Malibu or in Amsterdam, and at the same time inside, they're so yeah. different. Yeah. They're so conservative, they're weighed by traditions, by by uh, superstition, superstition and, and, <laughs> and what, what would yeah. they say, yeah. and, uh, what I should, how I should behave, and what it should be like to be a girl, and all these. So, I believe that our, the, our kids' generation will not have the time to solve these issues mm. and they will be solving issues like well, how am I going to live or die? Or, live or die. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, do we have enough water? Well, especially in the Middle East, we have a major water exactly. issue. Yeah. And that is sad. Mm, mm, that mm. is sad. Yeah. Hind, thank I'm sorry, you. I'm not very optimistic. No, but, but honestly, I, I just want to tell you that, I mean, I'm not optimistic either on a lot of levels. Thank you. Thank you. It was an amazing interview. It was actually. I enjoyed it. Good. Much, much, much. Uh, no, no, I really did. Good. Enjoy it. I'm really glad that uh, we did it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. This episode of What I Did Next was brought to you by ANT Media with me, Malak Fuad, and is co-produced by Shirag Desai. Please remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for updates on the show. Just search for What I Did Next. We're now also on Twitter, so please follow us there too. You can help our show to grow by leaving us a positive review in your favorite podcast player. Our next episode will be in two weeks' time. We hope you can join us then.